For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The sister from another Mr. Version of Brother from Another. Uh, I am Rita Hubbard along with my girl Kelsey Nicole Nelson. And we are just excited to be here, mainly because football is back. And thank you all for joining us as we uh, hold it down for, for Holly and for Smith. Kelsey, I am extremely excited about this. We have training camps going on. And as of right now, everyone is doing joint practices, it seems. But of course, one of the biggest stories has been in our area, essentially. I'm here at the 695 corridor. You're down there at the 495 corridor. And the Ravens and the Commanders have been facing off. And it has been very, very chippy, to say the least. Fights on both days and their two-day practices. Uh, lots of propaganda on both sides going along around on social media. And the fans have also gotten into it as well. And so a lot of people are excited about Forbes, the new cornerback that the commanders have had, and he's had some matchups with rookie Zay Flowers of the Ravens. And depending on what team you root for, everyone has just decided to pick a side and, and go there. And it's hilarious because while either team is, they don't play each other every year, they're in completely different conferences, you can feel the rivalry brewing with these practices. I have loved social media here in the DMV in Baltimore. It's like you said, everyone's deciding to pick a side. But for someone like me, Rita, who's a Maryland girl, but work for the commanders, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. Now, as you said, I think, you know, the joint practices, of course, things are going to get feisty and testy. That's just what DC and Baltimore does. If anything, Rita, folks need to be more like me and you. Like, yes, DC and Baltimore can get along. They can be friends. But for some reason, when you put us together, things like this happen. You know, I love there was a great tweet talking about even Justin Tucker almost got in it, you know, (laughs) At one point, we had Mark Andrews showing his strength, those guns, throwing down, you know, Danny Johnson. Like, it just, it, it was just, I think it's all fun and games. You know, you hear the press conference after, and the guys, you know, they, they seem like they're making the most of it. I'm sure they're keeping the coaches busy because they're actually trying to make sure nobody gets hurt. Remember, these are two teams, Rita, that have had uh, injury-plagued seasons. And, you know, Baltimore already getting bad news coming out today about Marlon Humphrey. Now, of course, not relating this to what happened. But all in all, you know, I think this is the fourth time the Ravens have hosted a joint practice. I don't know if John Harbaugh maybe though, the next time is like, I don't know. I really want my guys to be out there. But if it's Rita, it's preparing us for a good Monday night matchup between these two. And like you said, these teams are, as Fred Smith says, they're cousins, right? They don't get to see each other a lot. But when they do, I think they're taking up the pride of the area, it feels like, you know, and just putting it on each other. And I think it's good. You know, both teams obviously entering the preseason 1-0. and And I know folks are going to say, Kelsey, Rita, it's preseason. But, you know, they have some pride to play for. Baltimore has their preseason streak on the line. So I think they're taking it personal. And uh uh, FedEx Field Monday should be uh, all eyes right on this game after what's been happening at these practices. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the streak. While I believe that there is obviously a place for preseason games, um, I'm just not a huge fan of like what these 24 consecutive games mean. But I love the character building. That's what I call this. I call this character building because at the end of the day, you're playing against your own guys. You're hitting against your own guys. So now you get to hit on somebody else, right? And so a lot of times, you know, at least with the Ravens, they're very 
scared now to play their starters after what happened to J.K. Dobbins, ironically, against the Commanders. I think then they were the Washington football team. So, you know, they're not going to really play their starters. If they do, it's not going to be for very long come Monday night. But ultimately, this gives the starters a chance to play against their starters and see how they fare. And so there's been some battles won on both sides. You know, the Ravens are obviously struggling right now, as you mentioned, because of the Marlon Humphrey going down. So they're very low on cornerbacks, but you saw the defensive line had done some really good things against the offensive line of uh, the commanders. And then also on the other side, the Ravens struggled offensively to really make some plays. So this to me is character building and a little bit of fighting isn't going to hurt anybody. Now, I will ask this. I don't understand how crazy you could be to be swinging at people who have on helmets and pads. But, you know, if you're that kind of crazy, then maybe you do belong on the football team to get your aggression. (laughs) (laughs) Organized violence, organized chaos, whatever you want to call the football game. But like you said, yeah, it might not be best to use your hands with a hard helmet. Rita, those things, you'll hurt yourself. But I think the guys, again, they're just getting into it. Like I said, we let's be honest, as fans, we love when things get chippy. If anything, I think especially for the commanders as a team, I really think Rita, that's trying to rebuild their identity after all that has went on with this team, right? And new ownership, right? Obviously, Eric, the enemy coming in. And honestly, getting questioned about their toughness, Rita, after those rumors came out about players saying, EB, you're a little bit too tough for what we're used to. So I think for the commanders, maybe they're trying to show, hey, yeah, we do have some fight. We do have some dog in us. They were getting questioned about it. Now, I don't know if Baltimore is the team that you want to show that against, but obviously, at least maybe, like you said, in practice, maybe that's the place to do it. And as I said, I think it's really good for the starters to do this because let's be honest, football is it's physical. It's physical. So I do like this happening somewhere. I think especially for the young guy you mentioned for Forbes, you know, they're trying to earn some respect. And I think, you know, you talked about the Ravens secondary, but let's also remember this was a commander secondary that also got hurt and has some improvement to make. And so I think he's saying, like, don't play with me, you know, don't come near this way. You know, and they know these videos are out there and things. Things like that. So all in all, I think it's good for Baltimore and D.C. I hope the fans don't act like that at the game, Rita. Like, I want security to be able to chill. I know some of the security guards, you know, at FedEx Field. I don't want them busy, Rita. I don't want them busy. So hopefully this doesn't spill over. But, you know, when alcohol's involved, you never, never know. But all in all, again, you, you like this. You know, you want Sam Howe to be able to welcome to the NFL. What an introduction, you know, to go against, you know, Baltimore's defense. But all in all, I think we've seen great things on both sides, as you said. And, again, this gets us fans excited. I love, I saw Commanders fans taking over the Ravens feed. Rita put an HTTC, like, Everyone's, I think, getting into this. And all in all, it's just good, fun and games, I think, here for us, at least in the DMV and Baltimore area. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's starting to get a little bit chippy on the uh, fan side. Um, one of the Washington reporters was talking about how great the facility is at Owens Mills. And uh, a fan came in and said, oh, well, you know, M&T is not as good as FedEx Field. And, and it, it just turned into a real rivalry there. Now, you know, I whoever you choose to root for is who you root for. Now, I, but I think that we can all agree that FedEx Field could <laughs> a little bit of a makeover. And I probably yeah, you, you some love. <laughs> I mean, Rita, it's out there. It's out there, like you said. I mean, we just saw it from the Beyonce concert. I can't tell you how many people hit me up. Like, Kelsey, why didn't you tell me about FedEx Phil? What, what was I going to say, Rita? Like, I mean, the reality, <laughs> it's been out there. Fans have put it out there on social media. So if anything, maybe this game would have been nicer if it was played in Baltimore. Obviously, we didn't get to decide that. But um, hopefully, like you said, FedEx Phil gets some much-needed love and repair soon. Especially, you know, if Governor uh, Wes Moore is hoping to keep that team in, in Maryland. You got to give something, Rita, because uh, FedEx Phil has not been great to fans or visitors that have <laughs> I completely agree. And so as we know, the commanders are now owned by Josh Harris, 
who uh, is also the owner of something else that's going on in another type of fight, not physical, but internally with the Philadelphia 76ers. And we talked about, you know, all week about James Harden going over to China and saying what he said about not playing for GM Daryl Morey. He is not happy about it, clearly. He has made that abundantly clear. So I'm curious to know, Kelsey, how are your thoughts on what he said and how do we get to this point and what do the 76ers do from here? How do they move on from here after hearing what James Harden had to say? Josh Harris has to be the bravest man in America because we know what he deals with in Philadelphia and what the Philadelphia 76ers organization has been through. And then to raise your hand and voluntarily say, hey, I want to buy into the Washington Commanders, another team, Rita, that has been through so much scandal and controversy. So let me give Josh Harris his, his fair share. You know, I wish he could just be welcomed, though, with some peace. He has found no peace. Maybe the most peace he got was getting the game ball from Ron Rivera after the Commanders preseason win. But since then, you know, obviously, James <laughs> James Harden started our week choosing violence. You know, he's in China, obviously doing a sponsorship deal. You know, Adidas is trending now because of what James Harden tried to do. There was kids involved, Rita, listening to him, you know, make these accusations. And let me tell you, if someone calls you a liar twice and they make sure that people hear them, that's never a good situation. And, you know, I think for Philadelphia, you know, I truly do feel for Philly fans. I truly do. Because, you know, if the Ben Simmons, I mean, they've been through so much, Markel Fultz. I mean, it's just like Philly deserves happiness and joy. And it's like James Harden, every time he enters a relationship, he leaves it disgruntled, or at least this one, he's trying to leave it disgruntled. But obviously, it seems like, you know, there's some hurt there. He's putting it out there that, you know, it seems like there was a conversation. And this is why it's so important, folks, to get things in writing. You know, make sure you get things in writing. And, you know, I, I don't care what it is, especially when it pertains to a lot of money. And I think Rita, James Harden is like the rest of us. He wants to get paid. Now, no folks are going to say he's 33. He's about to turn 34. Kelsey, look at his playoff, you know, appearances. Philadelphia was trying to build around him. He was supposed to be the missing piece. We had such high expectations, you know, for, for Philadelphia. You look at what Joel Embiid has continue to do there. Everyone loves Tyrese Maxine, his high ceiling, you know, such a young stud and a young star. You look at someone, you know, entering the final year of his rookie contract. So all in all to say, I think, you know, James Harden, he's making it very difficult for Philadelphia to obviously one, try to will and deal him or two, try to keep him there. Now I know the new NBA CBA is going to make it a little bit harder for him to kind of get his way. We have fines involved. We have potential suspensions involved, but do you want to keep somebody there who obviously doesn't want to be there, but you're also making it hard to trade you. You know, we heard some rumors back in the day about the Los Angeles Clippers being a potential team, Rita. Obviously that didn't really pan out. Nobody really wanting to give Philadelphia back a championship piece. Cause remember that's what they're trying to build. That's why they have a new head coach in Philadelphia. Like they're trying to get to that point. So all in all, I think it's what's next for Philadelphia. You know, it seems like Tyrese Maxey is a piece they want to keep there, right? Again, a young stud, a young star who everyone's excited about. You look at Tobias Harris. You look at Joel Embiid, who has been crying for a long time. I don't even say crying, but yelling for a long time. Give me pieces around me so I can do for Philadelphia what I know I can do. But all in all, again, James Harden is just making it super hard. I love this quote here. You know, Al Horford's sister, and I think she summed it up very, very good. It's an ass show. It's an ass show right now in Philadelphia um, with just lots going on. But I think James Harden, if anything, he he's keeping us busy, Rita, in the NBA. Basically, again, Philadelphia, quiet right now, but they're going to have to do something. I think that's exactly what he wanted. Some type of response after the news broke this weekend that essentially it looked like there was no trade to be involved. And that's essentially all that James James Harden has been looking for after opting in for less money, helping Philadelphia bring in pieces, but wanting to get that max contract. So now I'll switch it over to you, Rita. I mean, what do you make of this mess? And Philadelphia, 
and a team that we had high expectations for going into this NBA season. Now all of a sudden, Rita, it seems like everything's up in the air and it's just, it's a huge dumpster fire right now happening in Philly. Yeah, and and look, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people have their perspectives, but you know, if if what James Harden is feeling that you know the GM went back on his word, I don't, I can't say I don't understand. If if, if someone tells you one thing and they do something else, you obviously feel some type of way about it, and that's what happened uh, allegedly in this situation. So now you're stuck with what do you do with a, a James Harden? Right, he's disgruntled. You don't really want to move him because then what is your options here? And so, but then also, if he doesn't want to be there, you don't want uh, James Harden, the one that puts on his fat suit and goes out there and plays. We don't want that one. <laughs> now he's unmotivated, right? So this right. is a lose-lose situation. What are you going to get for James Harden, which is probably not going to be what you want if you're the Philadelphia 76ers? And then if you are James Harden and they say, well, we're not doing that, we're not, we can't find a suitor to give us what we want, then what do you do if you're James Harden? So this is a very sticky situation. And I definitely think it's fluid and it's something that we definitely have to watch. And it's funny because we've already seen this story and I doubt that that it, it happens again, but there's, you know, somebody that's looking to be traded. Now, I don't know if that if that helps you fit into what it is that you want to do, obviously, because I don't believe they play the same position, but there is a guy that's looking to be traded. Do you send that guy, you know? Uh, Rhymes with, you know, something. Maybe. I'm like, you started something because Dame, we know the NBA sent out that memo real quick when he sure did. Get, you know, traded. And I think, you know, that is a question, but I think that's what it is now. I mean, I think James Harden makes it harder too. Like, if you're a GM, do you bring Harden here seeing that in three years? Rita, we can't keep him happy. Do you want to yep. take a chance on a player like that again that is aging in the NBA and that is going to demand money? And so I think that's what I'm saying. Like, he just makes it so much more complicated and you hate it because it's like look we get we got you out of brooklyn you said that wasn't working you get to i think the team which many would say is almost like a dream team i mean with the pieces around him again we're talking about you know tyrese maxi who some would say you know such a great quality role player you know around you again and you're playing with joe l and and you know really hard and only has anyone to blame but himself you know your your how you show up in the playoffs is in your control, right? That's how you play. Again, you had some good games, you had some bad games, but that's what a GM, that's what the president, that's what the front the front office organization is supposed to do. They have to see your value, again, because they're trying to build a contender to win the championship. It's not going to be easy. Like, they're still celebrating right now in Denverita after that championship parade. So they're trying to make sure they have the pieces. But all in all, you know, I, I hate it for, for Daryl Morley. Like, it, it, it sucks to wake up just to being, like, in the headlines, being called a liar, publicly <laughs> and like you said i mean yes you want to take someone's word for face value but raise your hand if someone ever has given you the word and looked you in the eye and broken their promise it happens to a lot of us and unfortunately guess what life moves on you have to make the best situation for yourself is, is james harden doing that you know again and i think to each his own but if anything he's given us some good nba headlines rita as we head into training camp which is just a little bit over a month away so everybody will be seeing you know what's next for game harden if he is not moved by then and i think rita you know staying in the nba i don't know if people were as excited about it but rita we got a, we got an in-season tournament now happening in the nba right so <laughs> i think your reaction to that <laughs> was so, kind of uh, you know fans reacting to right <laughs> yeah and so for me, with the, the in-season tournament situation, this is going to be the first annual, I hate using that word, so inaugural, I guess, um, <laughs> in-season tournament. 
And so I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was the same person that didn't really love the play in in terms of the playoffs. So and then it, it it is entertaining. So I think you have to win me over on this in tournament thing. First and foremost, I don't even understand the point. So I need someone to explain this to me like a five-year-old. And then secondly, <laughs> what's the point? You know, I mean, because at the end of the day, is this just like glorified like Christmas where we get all the uh, high profile games during a certain span? I just need to understand what exactly it is I'm looking at with this in-tournament, uh, in-season tournament. Um, and then maybe from there, I can be able to accept it and allow it to be what it is, which the NBA obviously thinks it will be something great that they can grow on. They're really betting on this. Because, you know, I think most basketball fans are looking forward to Thursday, right? When we get the full NBA, you know, schedule. I think that's what most fans are looking at. But like you said, I think they're trying to add some excitement, right? We're going back to Vegas. We're going to have the NBA Cup trophy presented. We're looking at this happening between November and December. And we're looking at still an 82-game NBA season. But all in all, you know, I think Becky Hammond had some great comments on it. And by the way, shout out to her for going into the Hoop Hall of fame very well deserved but you know she said they do this in Europe Rita like she's seen it there before she basically questioned you know would the NBA players have buy-in I mean you're looking at NBA guys who again they want they want the championship Rita they want the ultimate championship they're obviously getting paid well in the NBA and so I think the NBA is trying to fix something Rita that wasn't broken like you're like you're saying you know, like, I don't think many fans are asking for this. Now, of course, I think this will really be a test run. But I think if I'm the NBA, I'm even just seeing from yesterday, like, how many folks were excited. Like, I know they tried to do group play. You got some playoff teams playing some non-playoff teams. But I don't think that makes anybody excited. Like, you could just see that, obviously, in a normal in a normal game. Um, but all in all, I guess we'll get another trophy. That's going to be the added addition, added bonus. Does that mean something to NBA players yet? We don't know. You know, are you going to go, you know, home and brag like, yeah, we're the cup champions. <laughs> we're the tournament champions. No, at the end of the day, you want a championship, right, uh, for your team, for your squad. Something that everybody, to your point, Rita, understands and knows. So I'm kind of like you. I'm like, okay, this is this is different, right? It gives us something to talk about. It gives right. the players, you know, just something, I guess, to play for. Um, but all in all, I think don't confuse your fans. And I think that's exactly what this tournament is doing, even though they've tried their best working with ESPN and TNT, I think, to break it down. But it still hasn't been in layman terms, I think, again, for folks to just kind of be like, OK, hey, I get this and I can buy into it. <laughs> is this some consolation prize, like in case you don't win the actual NBA championship? Like, well, at least we won the in-tournament championship. You get like a little. Maybe that's what it is. Participation. <laughs> like, what are we supposed to do with this information? Like, does that <laughs> propel you or give you some better chance of winning the actual NBA championship? I, I just don't know the purpose of it. And then that's the reason why I'm like, yeah, I got to see how this goes before you sell me on this, because I'm not really sure how this is supposed to go. At least with the play in, I understand what it's for, right? It's to get more people involved so you can have more fans involved so that you can have more viewers. I completely understand that right. because we're all fighting for a playoff spot. I I just really have no idea what I'm getting. Yeah. From <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's a big test. It's yeah, a big cause. I mean, again, they're betting on this. And I think, you know, we'll see how fans react to it. But, you know, for players, I, I don't think NBA players needed any added motivation. And like you said, maybe it's talk. Like, can you talk trash even with that? Like, <laughs> you know, we didn't win the championship, but we won the cup. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know how much creed that gives you, you know, when you go back to your hometown. So all in all, I think most of us just waiting for the regular season schedule to come out. We'll look which at those tomorrow. matchups, which, which is, is tomorrow. tomorrow. So, so NBA 17. fans, wait for that. 
They gave us yeah. a little teaser to kind of try to give us some emotion, but all in all, I think they just added more confusion, Rita. So we'll see how it goes. Good luck to your teams. I, I hope they make it to the to the cup <laughs> to the cup championship. Yes, I'm definitely <laughs> excited more about what the NBA actual matchups are for the season. We get to see Warriors and Kings literally right off the bat in the first week. And I think that that's something everybody is excited to see because of how the playoff series went last year. People want to see if the Kings are the real deal and if the Warriors are going to be able to, you know, move on without Jordan Poole now. And now you have Chris oh, Paul yeah. as well. So, you know, we got other things that we're excited about at the moment. The we got the end tournament thing. We just got to wait and see. We don't really know if that's something we're going to be excited about yet. <laughs> <laughs> you just said it. We're looking forward to those matchups. What a playoffs we had last season. And as you said, yes, I mean, you're looking at a Warriors-Kings, you know, matchup. You talked about, remember the ticket prices, Rita, for that game? I mean, it was ridiculous because everybody wanted to see that. So, guys, lots of excitement, folks. Thursday will be our day, NBA fans. Don't worry. The NBA gods shall be good to us. And uh, we'll see the tournament gods if they're able to get any type of emotion out of us come November, early November, Rito, when this kicks off. But I know we'll be right back with some special guests and friends. Stay tuned to Brother from... Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Another. Are they overrated or not? We just don't see out of eye on New York. There is no time for New York for real to figure this out. They absolutely have time, Tarika. Rita disagree because you do not have time. Their location and the expectation for them is different than for Las Vegas. The expectation was you would come here and you would win. And I don't want to use the word excuses, but there are just different challenges that are arising with this team. Stewie ain't gonna drop 45 every night. I do think that at this moment, they are overrated. And it ain't fair, life ain't fair, but that's the reality. Well, Tarika, she's owning up to it. We saw the words. We saw the video. We're going to hold her in the court of public opinion as Tarika Foster-Brad begins ready to join us. But look, she said she's been disrespectful 
and she apologizes. So stop coming at her mentions, all right? She's a grown woman, and she's saying what she said, and she's going to backtrack just a bit probably after the performance that we saw the New York Liberty Habs. I'm so excited to bring our friend, Tarika. And Tarika, change the face. Come on, there we go. We need the smile, all right? We're going we're gonna to let you have the floor and have the carpet because like many of us WNBA fans, we all saw last night the Commissioner's Cup and Tarika, the New York Liberty, they look like the real deal. Consecutive wins now against a top team, right, in the Las, in the Las Vegas Aces. So all in all, you know, you, you said you had some questions about them. I know they had you scratching your head. You just didn't believe. But after the game that we saw last night, the defensive performance holding the Aces under 65, and then we saw their starters struggling in New York coming out, just looking good overall. John Quill Jones, look at the picture there. So we're going to give you the floor to talk about how your mind has perhaps now changed on this New York Liberty team and your New York state of mind. Well, I definitely said I needed them to do this more than once, right? Anybody can beat a team once, but if you can go in there and show out the way that you did more than once, then I got to fall back a little bit right now. I want to be clear. I want to set the record straight. If you listen to my comment, I said at this point, New York was overrated, which means at the time of that show, at the time of that recording, New York was overrated. I stand by that because they were playing terrible to begin this year. They were not living up to the expectations that in my mind, I kept thinking it's going to take a while for this team to gel. And when you play in the New York market, New Yorkers don't give you time to do nothing. They want to win and they want to win right then and there. And this is what the expectation was for New York. It took them a minute. It took them a little bit less time than I anticipated, but New York is playing phenomenal basketball right now, and they're doing so against what is the best team in the WNBA. They have now given them two back-to-back losses and not just regular losses. They have given them routes, like dominating performances, which cannot be overlooked. Secondly, they did so this time in Las Vegas. Now, I get it. The Commissioner's Cup does not count towards records. So it still looks as if that uh, Las Vegas only has three losses on this season. But realistically, this is demoralizing in a way because what you have had to your credit is that you've been able to overrun teams in your house on your floor. New York has just gone in there and taken something that no other team has been able to do. They look great. They had a lot of depth on their bench. And Jonquil Jones, sis... Show up there, because I was worried about you <laughs> at the beginning of this season. I was like, where is JJ? That's an MVP. What is going on? JJ showed up and showed out last night. 16 points, 15 boards, held Asia to nine points on the defensive end. I've got nothing. You know, New York, my bad. I was disrespectful. <laughs> I ain't let y'all cook for real. There I you go. It's not you. It was me. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes a it takes a big person to come out and say I was wrong. Cause you know, sometimes, you know, you don't want you gotta admit it. And it's hard to do, but you gotta do it sometimes. And you already alluded to the fact that although this loss didn't necessarily count towards their record, it's still four losses. And two of them are against the Liberty. So, you know, last night they only shot with 19% from the three, 33, 33% overall. Is it safe to say that the Liberty are the Aces kryptonites? Should we be concerned about this when it comes to their title hopes? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. A month ago, I would have said absolutely not. But today, after a loss, the way that you have way that they have over the last two meetings and granted, they're going to see each other again on Thursday. So oh, yes, this right. team each other five times this season because of the Commissioner's Cup. And what happens very similarly to when you're playing in a series, you start to learn your opponents. You start to learn how to make adjustments. So it's going to be interesting to see how Las Vegas bounces back. But at this moment, at this point, at this point in time, I'm going to stress that two more times right now. <laughs> I would be concerned if I'm Las Vegas because they're taking advantage of your bench, 28 points to eight. That was how much they outscored. Maureen Johannes came off the bench and scored 17 points in four minutes. Sis couldn't miss from three. Um, I, I think that it, it definitely makes um, you wonder how the Aces are going to continue to adjust when this team is starting to find ways to make sure that everybody in their starting five knows how to contribute. They also did a great job of maintaining that core four. Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Jackie Young, they tried to do their best with putting pressure on them and making sure that they couldn't get in the lane to get nothing. They held down the paint to say, listen, we can't get nothing. And I know some people probably said earlier this month, um, or at least at the end of last month, well, Candace Parker missing, that's probably not a big deal for this team. I disagree. So did my co-host LaChina, and so did a lot of people who understand basketball. Candace Parker gives depth. She gives defense. She gives additional size inside, and they don't have that. So these are the kind of things that we kind of saw with her being out, that this team was going to be, a the, the, the margin for error was going to be a bit smaller with her out of the lineup. But I don't think anybody saw this happening, and it definitely makes us look forward to Thursday. Definitely looking forward to Thursday because, as you said, Tariq, these games haven't been close. I believe it's 24.7 point differential. Like when we were looking at the schedule this season coming out, we thought these were going to be battles, right? Coming down to the wire, but no one said it. Instead, instead, we've seen teams dominate. And Tariq, that gets us excited now about the MVP race that once again is coming up. And once again, we have familiar characters. We just saw them play last night. We're going to see them play, as you said, Thursday night. And here we come back between Asia Wilson and, of course, Stewie. They've given us 40 pieces. I mean, these girls obviously can ball. So, Tarika, mm -hmm. looking at this, and we're also looking at what some would say is a potential finals matchup. I mean, literally, this is giving us everything. Like, it's WNBA fans Christmas, essentially, right now. But as you look at the MVP race between these two, and I'm going to say at this point, or I'll do, I'll do my Deontay Wilder. Till this day, who <laughs> would you say right now has the edge, Tarika, in the MVP race so far between those two? Okay, so between those two, I got to say the edge right now goes to Brianna Stewart, but I am not discounting Alyssa Thomas as an MVP candidate. Granted, I know that Connecticut is coming off of a two-game losing streak and have kind of been out of the conversation over the last couple of weeks, but just the fact that how important she's been to that team and what she's been able to do and how she's been able to create history in this league this year, I'm not at all discounting the fact that Alyssa Thomas could very well be the MVP when this is all said and done. But right now between Asia and Brianna, and again, this is fluid. I reserve the right to change my mind depending <laughs> on how they play. <laughs> but right now, I'm going to give the edge to Brianna Stewart for sure. <laughs>
I love that. I, you absolutely have the right to change your mind. So I'm sure at the, beginning, at, at the beginning of the season, you were probably like, okay, the Las Vegas Aces are going to repeat. This is easy work, right? Not necessarily easy work, but this feels like an easy pick. Do we still feel confident about that? Or do we feel like, uh, may, I'm still confident, but maybe, or do you say, I'm not really so sure at this moment? Nope, nope, nope. One thing I will say is when it came time to give my early season predictions, I said, I feel like Las Vegas will be in the finals. I have no idea who they'll play and I have no idea who will win. So I did predict that they'd be there, but I didn't predict that they would win because in this league, very similar to the NFL, is any given night. Any given day, any team can show up and play phenomenally and figure out how to beat you. But again, any team can beat you once. It's different when you're playing them in a series. It's different when you really got to know a team, make adjustments, learn them day in, day out. That's hard. And I still think that beating this Las Vegas team in a five-game series is hard. I wasn't at all sold that it would be New York. I feel a lot better now that New York could absolutely be the other half of that finals matchup. But we still got about four and a half weeks left. The season ends on September 13th. So we'll see. We see what the top three look like right now. I'm pretty secure that that top three will remain the same. Who knows what will happen with the other teams? I'm not counting out the Los Angeles Sparks making it into the playoffs. They have been on a three-game win streak. They're starting to get back healthy, so they could sneak in there. Elena Deladon is working her way back. We saw Shakira Austin come back for the Washington Mystics, so they could be moving up in the standings. So there's still a lot of time left in this season for a team to present themselves. And you guys know, too, as with the most sports, when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about peaking at the right time, right? You don't want to hit your stride too early and then come playoff time you start losing but you also don't want to be so much in a funk that you're fighting to get your way out so it's all about peaking at the right time and I think that these teams have played each other enough this season to know what they need to do that come late August early September we'll have a much better view of who actually could be the teams to match up very well against Las Vegas and or New York Vanilla on the head. Like we knew these were super teams coming into it. I'm so glad though that you shouted out the Connecticut Sun. I know they're about a game away right from clinching that playoff spot, which should come very soon. Alyssa Thomas, by the way, is a tarp, so she's from our neck of the you know, play for our neck of the woods. I'm just glad to see her getting her flowers. Had to shout her out there. And I'm so glad to Ricky that you shouted out the Washington Mystics. Because here in DC, there's still lots of hope and lots of hype. You talked about Shakira Austin coming back from that hip strain, standing ovation. I mean, she said it. She said she loves the fans of DC. It was so huge. You talked about EDD, who hopefully any day now can return and then they gave the bag to Ariel Atkins Tarika so you're, you know you're looking at a piece a well-deserved piece and again talking about health and so some are saying I know your co-host was trying Robinson said a healthy mystics team she said they could be a problem potentially wow. and they're getting kind of healthy at the right time right at the end of the season as we look at playoff standings any other teams Tarika that we should be looking out for as fans look at these WNBA standings and who could potentially make some noise and maybe become the new champion this season yeah, I have no clue who could become the champion. I'm so like clueless because these teams are wild. But I would say everyone keep your eye out on the Atlanta dream. Tanisha Wright know what she's doing and she's doing something serious down there in Atlanta. So don't sleep on the dream. And of course, the Dallas Wings. Now, they've been under a little bit of a skid right now. They've got to figure out how to get defensively back into these games. They haven't been shooting the ball well either. But Satsu Sabali, she's my leading candidate for most improved player. She has carried this team over the last couple of games. 
exclusively um, just her point presence and the way that she's been so poised in moments where it feels like this team should be out of it. Her, along with Arike and Natasha Howard, love what they're doing in Dallas. I would not count those two out. And they have also had W's over New York and over the Aces. So they are certainly a team that if they can figure out how to get back on track and continue that momentum into the playoffs could really be scary. Before we let you go, Tarika, we, you know, it is football season. It's coming up. And we know that you are an Indianapolis Colts fan. And um, I don't know if you know, but but Anthony Richardson, he doesn't know this either, but he's my nephew. As far as I'm concerned, I am a Florida Gator fan. So I've watched the young man (laughs) in college and he is projected as the starter um, for the Colts. Obviously they went out and got, I believe, Garden uh, Minshew. um, And we thought that he would at least start the season and then eventually they would bring in Richardson but now they've already said now we're going to go ahead and let him uh, just do what he does so what's your thoughts on Richardson being named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts love it chef's kiss absolutely love it listen one thing this team got to continue to do is take risks, right? When you drafted this kid in the position that you drafted him, you knew the talent that you were getting, right? When you hired the coach that you hired in Shane Steichen, you knew that you were hiring someone who had the proof in the pudding with Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do in transforming that talent. So you've got to take this risk. No shade, Gardner. I mean, I rock with you now because you're wearing the blue and white. You're repping the horseshoe. So it's no shade. But you got to go with A. Rich. And I just love what this kid potentially can be able to do. When you're giving me a quarterback that got the athleticism of a Cam Newton and the body style of a Lamar Jackson, bruh, I'm rolling with that every time. Every time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to see how he translates into the NFL. I mean, I just really think that he's... He's, he's a, he was fun to watch, although, you know, I really wondered if he should have stayed back for another year. But look, I also understand the business is the business. And if you're going to be a top five pick projected, you got to get out while you can, because that money be calling. You know what I mean? But, that part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Kelsey, I mean, I, I'm sure you can understand, like, you know, hey, he yeah. had to get out while he could for sure. Yeah, I mean, Tarika said it's 6'4", 244 pounds. Why would you not want that to be your quarterback? We talked about the dual threat that he can be on his legs and also getting it done with his arms. I think, you know, obviously the big question around him, though, was his amount of reps, right? Because you look at from when he left Florida in high school, you look at his um, college record, how long he played. I believe it's about 14 starts, you know. But at the the same time, if you're a diamond in the rough and if you're good, you're going to be ready to play. I know we only had a small sample size of what we saw in preseason, but I don't think the Colts have anything to lose, Sariga, right now. I mean, you know, put him out there, see what he can do. You signed Gardner Minshew to a one-year contract. You know, you got him as a backup if need be. So he's somebody, I think he's been waiting to prove himself. So I truly do hope he balls out, you know, all my families in Indy, so I know they're also rooting for him. But I also think it has to make you feel confident that the coach named him QB1 at the time that he did. I think, you know, you feel like you have coach's confidence. And now he just has to go out there and prove himself. So, Tariq, we're going to be looking forward to your tweets come football season, you know, whether good or bad, hopefully more good than bad. <laughs> well, hopefully he's you the guy for you, Tariq. We can't get any worse from 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 Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. We can't possibly get any worse. There's <laughs> only an upside. Sarika, thank you so much for joining us. Love having you. We'll be right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Back on Brother from another with our next special guest. Stay tuned. I remember when Nas had said back in the days, you know, hip-hop is dead. And what people would ask me about that, and they said, why? Do you think hip-hop is dead? And I said, if the woman's voice is not heard, then yes, hip-hop is dead. If we are not in it, if we're not playing on the radio, if we're not making records, then yeah, it is. You need us in hip-hop. We got to say what we got to say sometimes. You need that beat. You need that rhyme. You need that song. You need those words. And if they're words, only a woman will speak. Powerful. Love Queen Latifah. If you guys haven't seen it, that's an excerpt from Ladies First, a story of women in hip hop on Netflix. And now we have a very special guest joining us, Justin Tinsley of Manscaped, who knows very well the culture of hip hop. Justin, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us. Thank y'all ladies for having me on. I'm I'm really excited about this discussion. Yeah, we've had you. Pleasure. I've, had talked you, I've talked to you, Tens. Sorry, everybody, I call him Tens. And so, if, oh, come on now. Because <laughs> we family over here. So, Tens, you Hell know, yeah. I've had you on my show and we've talked about your book, you know, that you wrote of regarding the notorious B.I.G. So, we know that this is something that you're very passionate about in hip hop. And as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip hop, you know, it just all comes together. It's really unfortunate that guys like Biggie, like Pac, you know, Guru, and, and other guys, uh, Jam Master Jay can't be here with us to celebrate those things. But it also just is so empowering how a genre of music that many people didn't think would make it has now been almost, a well, is a half a century old. No, that's the most powerful thing, because, you know, at first they thought hip hop was going to go go to where disco, right? Oh, this is a trend. It's not going to last long. But I think one of the most important moments in hip hop history, and it was actually at the very, very beginning. Well, at, at the early, early stages of it, uh, when Gr- Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five made the message, because up until then, you know, hip hop had been known as like a party genre, which is, of course, uh, a very important style and, you know, you know, type of type of songs that people make in terms of partying. Yes, we like to have fun. We like to party, but also when the message came out in 1982, which was around the, the economic downturn, especially for Black America at that point, and obviously we knew what crack cocaine was doing to, to inner city neighborhoods across the country, uh, uh, largely Black neighborhoods, 
that was that was one of the first moments that really showed like hold on this is also a societal critique this is also something you know yeah we want you to have a good time when you listen to this but we also want you to take some away from it and i think that was one of the more beautiful and important parts of this genre in, in its very very early stage and of course we, we've seen how it's evolved over time we've seen the different discussions that have popped up over time and honestly i i what i really want from Hip Hop 50 is, yes, we need to celebrate it because this is a genre worth celebrating. This is a genre worth that has changed the world, that has impacted all of our lives in various different fashions. But it's also a genre that, you know, we deserve to have some very important, uh, you know, conversations around, which which is why I'm so glad y'all led with that Queen Latifah clip uh, from the Ladies First documentary. Like, that's very important. So, like, what I love about this, we can celebrate, we can and also have necessary discussions at the same time as well. Of the necessary discussion. So, the folks who haven't seen the documentary yet on Netflix, I'm telling you, watch it, watch it, watch it. Because I just finished it, Justin, and what it brings light to is, unfortunately, some of the some of the downfalls that hip hop has had, right? Not rightfully giving credit to some of our first ladies of hip hop and their contributions um, to hip hop. I love a quote from the film was talking about this is about the ingenuity of black women, you know, in hip hop. And also I'm a big believer of giving people their flowers while they're still here. And luckily so many of our females, right, that were at the forefront are still here. But just talking about this Netflix documentary and, you know, we, we talked about Queen Latifah in that, um, you know, just so many, Missy Elliott mentioned in that, you know, Lil' Kim, I mean, all these people that so many of us have watched for so long you know why is it important and why is it necessary justin that people also as we you know think about 50 years of hip-hop you know and i had a chance to see some of the ladies in new orleans at essence fest right when they honored some yeah. of these women like eve coming back you know and stuff and it was amazing to me because that's who i grew up you know listening and watching trina but why is it so important that this story be told and especially that our young people know these women who some didn't get the credit rightfully right for some of the credits that they're behind some of the songs that behind and really how black women have played a role in portrayal of the growth of hip hop music. You know, if you say that you love hip hop and, you know, this is your genre, this is my music that I hold close to me, then you have to give everybody credit. You have to give each and every single person that played a role in the evolution of this thing that, that we love called hip hop. So if you believe that, you know, August 11th, 1973, and I understand that date has come under some sort, and I ain't gonna say controversy under fire, but it's coming to question a little bit. But if we use August 11th, 1973 as the birthday or the founding date of hip hop, there's a woman at the very, very center of that. We give DJ Cool Herc his love, his flowers, as we should, because he was DJing that day. But he was also DJing for his younger sister, Cindy Campbell, who who now is known as the first lady of hip hop. And if it wasn't for her birthday party, that whole part, the whole party doesn't happen. Now, maybe hip hop is is, quote unquote, founded at a later date. But if we focus on that, a woman has been at the, the very epicenter of this genre from the very beginning. And one thing that that documentary has done one thing that several conversations i've seen had over the course of the last several months at least during during this year alone it's just that yo like women are not footnotes in this genre's history they are actual chapters they are actually like main characters in all this and if we're going to sit if we if we want to honestly have a, a, a real celebration about this genre we need to celebrate the women that have been at the forefront because we've under we understand how this genre in many cases has you know pushed women aside or like erased their entire existence out of the genre together one of my really close friends is drew dixon 
Um, and if you know Drew Dixon, uh, she was a big time executive at Def Jam back in the in the 90s. And I had a chance to really tell her story about her role in the uh, a song that we all love. It's, this is like, you know, it's basically, you know how electric slide is at the cookouts for previous generations. Well, Mary J and Method Man, you're all I need is just like that for, you know, for our generations. And she told her role in that story and about how. Over basically over the last 30 years, she's been erased from that because of, uh, unfortunately, a really dark um, side of Russell Simmons that had, she was she was sexually assaulted by Russell Simmons. She basically just left the, the, the music industry because of the trauma that caused. I was very honored that she trusted me to tell her story uh, about a, a piece I wrote earlier this year. And she was also an integral figure in the re- whole reason why my Biggie book was even published. So there's so many women like that over the course of hip hop's 50 years and even beyond that they they don't just deserve to be acknowledged they need to be celebrated they need to be revered in the same way that we do uh a men in in this genre that, that deservingly so and unfortunately in some cases undeservingly so yeah and i i definitely am a person that you know i'm i'm not going to tell my age here but I, I mean i guess i'm about to tell my age i definitely grew up you know listening to the Roxanne Shantae's the real Roxanne so in addition to the MC Lights in addition to the Queen Latifahs we don't give the Sweet Teas enough love we don't give the Rox- Roxanne Shantae's enough love so this documentary really does touch a lot of different bases on that um and that's the part that i i really loved Thing about Absolutely. this because those ladies you know we we a lot of people know MC Light now as just a, a voiceover for like a lot of award shows when really MC Light is one of the pioneers of hip hop and it absolutely should be discussed Thanks. I want to switch gears a little bit, though, if I can, Tens. You did do an article recently regarding the Tory Lanez uh, situation, and you advised that, you know, there needs to be more accountability, particularly in hip hop. And I just want you to explain um, to those who are watching and those who are listening what exactly you meant in regards uh, to the accountability. So when I look at, you know, this situation between Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion, I saw how it played out over the course of two, two and a half years before the trial even started. And I saw that, you know, in in many cases, it's never apples to apples or oranges to oranges, 100 or zero. Like there's always some give and take, but from what I've seen and from what I saw, Megan was really not given the benefit of the doubt in her situation. She was like, yo, I was shot. This is the person that shot me. But at first, the story started out about like, oh, she didn't even really get shot. She stepped on glass. Then it was like, oh, she got shot. But it wasn't Tori that did it. Oh, she got shot. But, you know, it was somebody else in the car that did it. And it was just I saw how her character was assassinated in so many different ways, whereas Tori, you know, he there weren't many people within the hip hop sphere, at least publicly forward facing, you know, I give, I give credit to sauce Walker. I mean, excuse me, Maxo cream from, from Houston. I also give credit to, to Bun B from, from Houston as well, who spoke out, you know, uh, uh, immediately about like, yo, anybody that shoots a woman 
you know, and it's not out of like self-defense or in protection of your life. Like we don't need that. That's not the type of energy we need around this, uh, around this culture. And I didn't see that energy really reciprocated over the course of not even during a trial, but even leading up to the trial. And, you know, we, we've spoken so much about, you know, misogyny and toxic masculinity and, and hip hop, especially over the last several years that I don't, I don't think any of those conversations really were taken into consideration, uh, during the build up to that trial, you know, uh, and it, from hip hop culture and by people who really have a say so within this. And it was just like, oh, well, oh, she's lying on Tory or, you know, Tory didn't do this or he wouldn't do that. Uh, I always felt like all these things that were said about Megan leading up to the trial, how she was a liar, how she did this. I was like, all right, well, if she's a liar. This is going to easily come out in trial. Right. Like if you're a, if you're a lawyer worth your salt, this should be easily debunked. And it wasn't. And it was proven over and over uh, that she was shot. And so I, I just feel like if we're talking about Megan Thee Stallion, if we're talking about Drew Dixon, who I, you know, you know, previously said, if we're talking about somebody like uh, Dee Barnes and her association with uh, Dr. Dre from back in the day. Like, and there's so many other examples to this. Right. Like I'm just naming three off the top of my head, but there may be three thousand more. So like if this is a genre that we say we love, if this is a genre that we say we covet and cherish, we need to be moving like James Baldwin. He talked about America when he was like, I love America so much. That's why I can critique it the way that I do. Well, I love hip hop so much. That's that's why I feel like I should be able to critique it the way that I do. And so many others. So. Um, I love this genre, but if it's going to survive another 50 years, there needs to be a level of accountability and uncomfortable conversations that, that come with it, too. And hopefully actions out of those uncomfortable conversations. Justin, you know, that was a quote I took from the documentary as well. We love hip hop enough to hold it accountable when they were talking exactly. about the story of Dream of Dream Hampton. And I think that's on all of us, because as, as we all know, there's very nasty stuff being said about Meg on social media. Still this day, even if you just go and look mm -hmm. it up and people still not believing, even though we're at the sentencing part of the trial. And so, as you said, even though hip hop has moved forward, you can see many of the things that when we're talking about that film, we're still facing. Meg is still facing till this very day. And unfortunately, we'll continue to face. And she's even said she hasn't been at peace since the day that she was shot. But Justin, we so appreciate, you know, shedding light on the story. Obviously, it's a conversation we're going to want to continue to have. Make sure y'all follow Justin. He has very great pieces on hip hop. Real, real quick, Justin. Real quick. All right, we got yeah, one real quick, Justin. Your favorite era of hip hop? Which one? Pick one. One. Uh, mm, uh, mm, the '90s. <laughs> it's got to be the '90s, right? All right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some, golden, there's some '90s in the golden years, but I'll get. I'll yeah. let you get. Well, I will say '04 to '08 <laughs> during my college years. I'm gonna always have a special, the early 2000s. special place in my heart. You know what I mean? The Lil Wayne, the T Pain, the Dream Era, all that. But yeah, I know y'all gotta go. But yeah, that that would be my answer right there. Okay. College parties hit differently in the 2000s. I feel you, Justin. <laughs> Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
Social media. Classic hip hop, but I'm the old one of the group, so that's why. <laughs> Appreciate you, Justin. Thank y'all for having me on, lady. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you, Tim. <laughs> Thank y'all for having me on. I got, I'm going to hit you up soon about uh, something else. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm from like 20 minutes south of Richmond, like Petersburg. Yeah. Oh, you moved? Mm-hmm. Out there. No, no, no. I didn't move. That's just where I'm from. Oh, oh okay. Oh. I was like, geez, you left the city. No, no, no. I'm, I'm still I'm still in the D.C. area. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was saying, I, was, I, was, I was like, you still right, in yeah. Richmond? Why would you just back out that way? <laughs> no, nah, I, ain't, I ain't moved. No, no, I'm definitely not moving back there either. <laughs> All right. So we're doing okay. the um the okay. 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 <laughs> cool. Okay. Thank you, Gary, because I was nervous. I'm always nervous. <laughs> you crush I'm it. Always we all are, though. No, I'm always nervous, though. It's not like no particular reason. I'm just always nervous. So, nerves, <laughs> I think, make you perform. <laughs> exactly. And he was a hell of a player. Yep. That's, a, that's me. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you've seen or heard, but there's a new song out in these streets, Kelsey. And uh, it's very interesting. It's very fun. I love it. But um, one thing, I love me a petty person, okay? Uh, Kiki Palmer, like myself, <laughs> is a Virgo. And we know how to do petty better than anybody in the Zodiac. And she is a queen of petty <laughs> doing this video with Usher after all the controversy that went on for days and days on social media with this boyfriend video. It is so cute, but it is so petty. And I absolutely love everything about it. <laughs> I Kiki Palmer is forever going to be a shero in my book after this. The best way <laughs> to respond to a petty, useless ex-boyfriend and I know hopefully they work it out because they have a kid involved. But it's like all of this happened for no reason. The girl got some love for Usher. Usher, who we all loved growing up. And like you said, the vibes of her dressing like Usher, even just the chorus. I heard your boyfriend's looking for me. Uh, I'm easy to find. Like, this was the best response. And then she mentioned her being a mama and still being able to do it. This was everything. We counted down and they both made it a moneymaker out of it. So, you know, I love that this situation actually turns into a positive for both Usher and Kiki. And Kiki, Rita, is continuing to have a great year. She continues to win. And honestly, like you said, if you love dance vibes, old Usher, you get that in the video. If you just love a good chorus, you get that as well. So Kiki, I don't know. I love her being a mom, I guess, Rita, because this was the best thing that she could have done. It, it was the classy petty, which is definitely me, Rita, a classy petty that, you know, it's not even subtle. He knows who it was directed towards and uh, best wishes to him and his future endeavors, uh, Rita. We love you, Kiki. <laughs> we do. We love you, Kiki. I love 
everything about this. I think that, you know, and, and she is monetized off of this whole thing. Uh, and that's, hey, listen, I'm not mad because she's done a press tour ever since um, all of this has happened. And so while, you know, they ran the boyfriend off of Twitter, now known as X, she's out here making the money. Okay? I, you can't win no better way than this. If anything, she is absolutely winning all because she Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.